Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante. He is Andrew P. Shea. And this is the Keystone Kickoff Show where we're talking Penn State football. Andrew P., how are you doing, my friend? Good, Jim. Good, Jim. How are you? It's great to be with you. Hey, all you Penn State fans out there, you should be in shiny happy people mode still. I think the Penn State fans still are in a good mood, still reveling in Drew Aller and that performance from last week, Andy. Uh, we've been talking about that game all week, of course, but of, as usual, you're going to get the final say on the game, and I want to call this first segment, Upon Further Review. This yeah. means, Andy, you know, we've now had almost a week to watch film, see the game again, take our notes, kind of sit on it, and really think about what we saw in that game. And that's where I want you to come from here. First of all, now that you've had several days to think about it, what stood out to you in the game that probably no one else is talking about, or at least very few people are talking about? So I will say, I want to put it this way. The first thing that jumped out to me was this looked like a team playing its first football game of the season. You have to expect some of that. They looked a little, there was a little bit of squeak and rust, but it, it was not troublesome or problematic. But there was a little squeak and rust here and there in, in pieces and parts. It wasn't a fully operational, well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's week one. It's not going to be, right? When I, but having said that, this team looked like a veteran group that knows what its job is and can take care of business. Like, there was a talent gap, clearly, between them and West Virginia. You could see that on the field. But it's the it was the little things that made them just sort of look like they knew exactly what they were doing, exactly what they were supposed to do. That really stood out and grabbed me. That despite a little bit of first-game squeaky wheel and rust, it was irrelevant. They really look like a team that understands who they are, where they want to go and what they do. And for the most part, you could see that crystal clear from start to finish, in my opinion. I think you you make a good point there, Andy. And we've been conditioned overall within college football to see those early season, especially first game mismatches, like what we're going to see this weekend with Penn State Delaware. Right. So to play another Power 5 team, West Virginia, and again, it's not a great West Virginia team. We know that. The one thing that struck me about this game is there was a lot of angst during the game at halftime. It was 14-7, still a close game. Is West Virginia's style of play, I don't want to say they played to keep the game close, but their style and what they had to do to win this game, they had to play in that kind of style. They weren't going to go take deep shots. They weren't going to get their quarterback in a traditional drop-back position where the Penn State's rush was going to get to him very often. And credit to that quarterback, he was very elusive 
He kept the sticks moving. What would have been pass plays, he turned into a rushing first down several times. And it made the defense look less than exceptional, which is what we were seeing at the end of last season. But with all that said, this is still a team that dominated this game statistically. They beat the spread, which meant they beat the expected number. So you can't be too worked up about this team in any area. So anyway, let's let's look at some of the specifics of the game, Andy. What impressed you? What areas impressed you? And what areas eh, probably need some work? Um. Yeah, so what impressed me was, I'll, I'll go this way, Mike Yersich and Drew Aller, your offensive coordinator and your starting quarterback. And first first start, <laughs> they, they were right on the same page. And the way, okay, so you can say the yards, the touchdown, that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. The way you look at it is the, play, the way the play calling felt, felt the cadence, the rhythm, what was the first down calls? What were the second down calls? Did it, you know, the the play calling and the execution from the quarterback, it just looked comfortable and seamless, right? That's not easy to do, Jimmy. If, if It doesn't look, it's not supposed to look that easy in your first start. And I'm not talking about him making all the right throws and everything. Um, it looked to me like it was year two or three of them working together as an offensive quarter coordinator and a starting quarterback. Um, It's a quiet little detail that I wanted to point out, but to me it stands out and it's really important because you're only going to build from there going forward. But my goodness gracious, you know, I just, as the game unfolded, I'm like, holy crap, are those two right in lockstep and in sync together? And whatever um, Mike is seeing and Mike wants to call, Drew is executing at a, pretty darn high level and the way they mixed and matched stuff it was it's not a very obvious thing it's not a great big deal but man oh man it, it's really important in my book and you know following along that line Andy there were a couple plays that Drew Allen made a couple throws that you said okay I'm seeing the arm talent there and we knew that arm talent was there and maybe I'm just piggybacking on what you said but what I was impressed by is how many plays it looked easy for him, meaning he hit the open receiver, he hit the right guy, and that's why you end up with almost a 75% completion rate, correct? Right. Yeah, he 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 was he made plays inside the pocket. One of the things that stood out to me was the his first read and if it was the right call, right play call, and the right read, and going to his first read, man, that ball was out. That ball was out, and it was on a rope. So it was. That's the comfort I'm talking about. That and except for one throw, one throw to the running back, every single easy throw looked really easy, and I mean like really easy. And first, you know, drop back step read throw on target, on pace, first one's there, play call was good, caught him in a little bit of a defense, first option was going to be open. It happened 12 to 15 times, I would say, uh, throughout the course of the game. And I include running plays in that, the, the, the right call at the right time. 
man, were they those was he in sync? He looked really, really specially good. Okay, Andy, let's segue to a few other things. Tell me about the defensive line. What was your impression? Yeah, so I everyone wants to hammer on the defensive tackles, and I kind of get it. You know, I I didn't think that I didn't think they were necessarily problematic. This defense isn't built for the D tackles to be, you know, toward the force. They're not the ones that are going to, you know, be the wave makers. That's not the way this defense is designed. So the interior three of West Virginia is the strength of their team. They block pretty dang well. And they they were up against it. And they're going to face other offensive lines that are just as good. I didn't think they were getting twisted and moved. I saw a lot of stunts early where you had defensive interior defensive linemen looping and they were running themselves out of plays and spinning and they were just doing some crazy stuff early. They kind of settled that down and went a little bit more basic later and it kind of squeezed on the running game a little bit and the scoreboard sort of tilted it and made West Virginia become one dimensional. But I I just thought the defensive ends were very pedestrian average. I, I didn't see much uh, that stood out or I liked about them and if you had to say the defensive line, I'd say the D tackles did their job better than probably the defensive ends did. I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but that's mine. I think in the fan base, there was a reaction to the third and one or fourth and one plays. West Virginia knew what they were doing in that aspect. The guards pinched. The center's really good. The quarterback was getting a push from behind. They were very efficient on that third or fourth down and, and very short, and I think that causes the fan base to overreact a bit. Let's go that, then, Andy, to the receivers with the other question mark, the wide receivers in particular. Look, you know, the quarterback was 21 for 29. Someone had to be catching the, those passes. What was your impression of the wide receivers? So it was... So the wide receivers, they 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 showed up and did their job is the best way to put it. I still think they're exploring and trying things. We talked about this, you know, last week before the season started. It might be the case where Penn State uses, you know, four, five, six receivers on a consistent basis and just doesn't settle with the best three that, you know, the rotation might be stronger than any one best two or three. So... I mean, I think it's clear that Andre Lambert-Smith is a weapon. Um, and I think overall the, the wide receivers performed exceptionally well. And I think they're going to use, I think they're going to use five or six of them on a consistent basis for the first, you know, three, four games. I really do. Uh, my biggest concern in terms of pass catching was, where are the tight ends? I, I, I know it's time. Maybe there's not something you wanted to be shown. And I, I, you're not going to see any more this week because it's going to be, you know, there's going to be less that needs to be unveiled for this game. So I will be keeping an eye on how the tight ends fit into this offense when it comes to passing as we move along. I don't have any concern about the tight ends, Andy. I would have been more concerned if they were targeted a dozen times and had one catch. They right. were targeted like two or three times. That's it. And I'd also be concerned if they weren't completing those passes to the wide receivers, but they were. They so were. So I, I, I don't have a concern about that. 
And just to throw in one more thing on thought on the wide receivers, it's like, okay, beyond the first couple, what do you have? I want to point out Malik um, McLean and Liam Clifford were targeted six times and they made six catches, Andy. Yeah. And I think Dante Cephas was targeted twice and made that, that second one. Everyone's like, wow, you should have caught that. That thing was a 96 mile an hour fastball. That was way too much heat on that pass from Drew Eller. There's nothing ever wrong with throwing a good heater, but no one's catching that ball. But yeah, they 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 really they play. They were the best unit for Penn State overall. I thought and, the wide receivers. And, and I think the part of it is, you know, when I said uh, McLean, Liam Clifford, six for six on targets. The quarterback had something to do with that also, Andy. So we got to point that out. All right, that is it for quarter number one. Stick around quarter two. We're going to do some stock up and stock down. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. We are talking Penn State football. Taking our last look at the Penn State-West Virginia game from last week. Andy, a lot of good things happened. But a couple not-so-good things happened also. So that's why we are doing our current segment, Stock Up, Stock Down. This is where we look at individual players, position groups, coaches, crowd, opposing team, whatever you like, Andy. 
I'm going to throw it to you first. And you could go either way. You could go up or down, whatever you want. What strikes your fancy? I'm going to start with my stock up, and I'm going to start with an individual player, and that is Curtis Jacobs. He was everywhere on this football field. Clearly, the game has slowed down for him, right? He even made those sort of sneaky read field plays that you kind of have to, they're kind of what I call the tweeners where he can do one of two or he can do one of three options on, he's got that freedom at the linebacker position right now. He even made those sneaky, what I call read field plays. And what I mean by that is he blitzed a couple times and he blitzed, but he kind of, by the second quarter, figured out the quarterback's not going to hang out in the pocket. So he he would blitz, but then he would sort of soft read back and snared the quarterback, you know, as he was getting out of the pocket a couple times. He was everywhere. Ten tackles, seven solos, a TFL, a QB sack. He was arguably, in my opinion, the best player on the field for Penn State overall. And I know the quarterback was really good, but definitely on defense, he was the best player on the field. Um, so he is stock up, and he is a hidden gem and a real key for this defense. He gets overshadowed, I think, by Abdul Carter, but there Certainly. was no doubt, no arguable, he was the best defensive player uh, statistically and for your eyeballs also in watching the game. Um, I'm going to go with a position group on the stock upside. I'm going with the wide receivers. Yes, but, Drew Aller was wonderful, but we saw big plays from Kondre Lambert-Smith. We saw Trey Wallace. You know I think he can be the guy. You know what, Andy? Eight targets, seven completions. Yep. I will take that any day. And I had mentioned it in the first segment. Malik McLean, Liam Clifford. Six for six on their targets. Again, I will take that any day of the week when you're talking about your third and fourth option. Andy, wide receiver, stock up. All right, it's your turn. Who do you have? Stock down, I go to the Penn State's other linebacker, Abdul Carter. It just was not a good game from him. One tackle, one sack, one TFL. Okay, a couple splash plays. Cool. That's what you're supposed to do. He was running himself out of plays a lot. His read and react was really slow. I would even call it what I like to say was football sloppy. His read react is sort of basic stuff was really sloppy. And the way the interior of the West Virginia offensive line handled him when he tried to, you know, create some mayhem, in my opinion, I think they served him up a little piece of football humble pie. Um, He was definitely a stock down. It was not a good game. For him, despite a couple splash plays, it has to be better than that overall. Look at the guy on your right wearing 23 and follow him a little bit more. Well, and even worse, Andy, it wasn't even really a couple splash plays. It was one splash play that counted as a sack, counted as a tackle for loss, and was his only you know entry into the stat sheet. There were a couple of those missed tackles, and you mentioned read and react. That's the thing he always did well. So it's it's interesting to me, though, if you look, 
which opening game was worse for him? This one or a year ago where he got in one play and got hit with targeting. It, right. it must be something about that game one for him that, uh, it, you know, just isn't, it isn't working for him. All right, Andy, you, you got, it's an obvious one. It, it's easy target, yeah. but I got to put down the kickers, you know, oh, you, stock down, stock down. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, a shank punt, two missed field goals from a range that you just can't miss field goals from that range, Andy. And it made what should have been a multi-score difference at halftime into a one-score game at halftime, despite the fact that Penn State was dominating on the field. So I, I've got to put the kickers out there. Yeah, you have to. I mean, we... We've talked about it all camp leading into the first game, all preseason. We talked about it. I kind of call it that kicking the ball thingy, you know, because that covers both of them, right? Uh, kickoffs, though. You can't put the kickoff guy nope. in there. 275-pound kickoff guy kicks bombs. Um, but the punting and kicking game, it's just – it's bad. It's just not – It's there's no other way to put it. It's not good at all, Jimmy, and it's it's a very it's a very shaky concern for Penn State. Yeah, I three hundred percent agree. You kind of give them each a mulligan on their first one, but the field goal kicking can't miss two of them like that. Okay, Andy, you're up. Uh, I'll go back to stock up, Jimmy. I'm going to say the right side of Penn State's offensive starting line: Sal Wormley and Caden Wallace. As a combination, the two, uh, they played a good bit of time together combined, both of them working together. This was arguably, in fact, I think it was their best game combined. I really, really liked liked a lot of what I saw from this duo across the board. Pass game, pulling, blocking in space, you know, clearing out, opening edges. There was a lot of good stuff from the right side of the offensive line from Penn State, they were a stock up for me in this game, 100%. Uh, that's a good call, and I guess I'm like, I'm piggybacking on that a bit, Andy, because I'm going to point out the running backs, whereas stock up, and I know people might look at that and say, why? You know, there was no huge play, no splash play, no 60-yard run from Nick Singleton, but I'll tell you why. I think they maxed out each one of their runs, they average each one of them averaged over five yards a carry, and that's with not having that one big run that inflates the average. What that means is almost every single time, Andy, they got something out of that rushing attempt. And in fact, I think it's very telling when you look at the stat sheet after the game they show not only how many positive yards they had, but how many negative. And each, both Singleton and Allen only had one negative yard, which means only one carry where they didn't get positive yardage. Can I piggyback on the running backs and say one thing, thing that sure. I took away from? I'm glad you brought them up because I didn't have them on my list. But here's, here's what it is. You were wondering, how do these two take a step forward? Like, what's the next level for them, right? And after about, I don't know, 10 to 12 combined carries, it stood out right away what the next level is for them. These guys are not easy to get to the ground. 
They are foot in the ground, go, and then they they aren't clear initiate contact guys. They're still looking to wiggle and break, but they are not easy to bring down. It is clearly next level that they are you knew that Catron Allen had a lean to him. That's not what I'm talking about. This is different. They are not easy to get a hold of inside the tackles and bring down, and hence the five yard average. But that is a that is very much next level stuff for me. Yes, I, I'm I'm very pleased with them. All right, you're up. What do you got? Uh, I'm going back to stock down. I, it's it's the defensive ends. They were they were low impact in this football game for me. They used four of them pretty consistently. They used all four of them. Yeah, they had a, a splash player two here and there, but overall they were not a force. And they definitely played below the expectations that you might have set for them, no matter whether they were unrealistically lofty or just, you know, kind of like, eh, maybe they'll be in. I mean, four of them, four tackles, two tackles for loss, and no sacks combined. And you know, Denai Dennis Sutton didn't even register anything. I had to ask you at one point, is is he hurt or something? Like you're not seeing him in the game. And and this group will they need to be better. They they just simply need to be better. And low impact is not going to help this defense. I think that's a pretty good call, Andy. I know West Virginia's style made things a little more difficult, but still you ex- you expect more from the defensive ends. Okay. My next one, Andy, I'm going to cheat, okay, because I'm going to combine a stock up and stock down. I'm going to give a stock up to Bo Perbola. Came in, made things happen, moved the sticks, ran for first down, completed a pass, ran for a touchdown, was effective. I feel much better about the backup quarterback situation than I did a week ago. Told you, And what I'm going to add on top of that, my stock down – Neil Brown, coach of West Virginia, who onside kicked, who kept his ones in there, who was still calling timeouts, and he was complaining about Penn State moving the ball. I'm sorry, Neil Brown, you're on the hot seat. You didn't get yourself on the hot seat by complaining about how Penn State finished the game. Yeah, I saw James at his press conference, and there all the headlines were like, he addresses the late touchdown and the, you know, and running the score up, and I was like, what the heck are they talking about? Because I didn't even realize in watching the drive that there was like, what, six seconds left or something when they scored. All I'm thinking is, okay, West Virginia got there. They got something. Their ones versus Penn State twos. They tried the onside kick, which is what they should do. Penn State went completely to its second team offense. They get to play. You have to stop them, knucklehead. Your defense, which was mostly ones, their job is to stop them. They didn't. It doesn't matter how much time was on the clock. It's it's not like it's one versus ones and it's a, a nine-point game and you just take a knee and say, look, we fought a hard-fought game. This is your second unit. I had no problem with it. I was surprised to see the headline and that, you know, sort of James was asked about it. But I didn't know it came from the West Virginia coach, you know, getting out some wine and cheese. He, he did not stop playing. West Virginia kept playing indicators, the timeouts, keeping his first team in there. He was still playing. I mentioned this earlier in the week. That kind of question comes up for a coach. The only, only right answer is, hey, if we don't want them to score there, we should have stopped them, and we didn't. That's the only right answer. Doesn't matter. 
that is it. Stop it. All right, Andy. And plus, any time I have a chance to take a shot at the opposing coach being like that, (laughs) I'm going to take advantage of it. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter two. Stick around. Ask Andy comes next. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter three. We all know what that means. It means we're taking your questions and we are going to ask Andy. This is where Andy takes questions from you. We'll go through them all. At the end of the segment, Andy will pick out the best question, and whoever it is, you win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com, where you go for all of your barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, including the latest, greatest coffee barbecue rubs. Andrew P., are you ready? Let's do it, Jimmy. Fire them. I'm sure we got a few. We do. Let's start with Josh and Scranton. Josh says... Does the performance in game one by the wide receivers alleviate your concern at that position? No. No. Four quarters isn't nearly enough. I need I need I need twelve or sixteen. Not it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to look like that every time. Um that was exceptional, but you know. I'm not saying it's all going to be measured by Ohio State and Michigan either. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, are they part of the solution for this offense? Good question. Four quarters isn't nearly enough to to alleviate that. 
the the only thing that it alleviated that it alleviated for me, Josh, is that I know they're going to use. They're not trying to find two or three guys. That's not what Penn State's doing. I think that was pretty clear to me. They are not just looking for a few good men at wide receiver. They're going to use them. They, they've got 12 of them. They've identified five or six to use on a consistent basis. They're going to run them and roll them. And it's clear who the top one is and who the top two are, I think, is very clear. But any one of the next four can be contributors, I think, and I think they're going to continue to roll them. That is what became clear to me. Andy, I'm not going to just say, okay, it's settled where there's no more issues there. However, I think I'm a little more bullish on them than you are because I think the top two both showed well that, hey, look, what they've been telling us is true. The top two, they're the guys. I think what's the concern I had was, is there a three? Is there a four? And the fact that both Liam Clifford and Malik McLean played well showed up in the box score, tells me, okay, there's additional options there, and we haven't even counted Dante Cephas in that group yet. Right. My one point is they got a lot. They got some help from the quarterback. So Drew Aller does this thing, and it's a little bit of a football geek thingy. He throws guys open. But I also at the same time think Penn State ran really good route trees. The Penn State receivers ran really good routes and got themselves open. They got some help because Drew Aller also has the unique ability to throw receivers open. And keep an eye on that as we move through these first four games. If he consistently continues to do that, freaking lights out for this offense because that is a very, very rare skill. Well, anytime you're talking about the completions, Andy, you've got to compliment both the quarterback and wide receiver, and it's hard to tell which is which. No doubt, Drew Aller was part of how the wide receivers performed. But guess what? That's who's going to be their quarterback the rest of the season. Correct. So they are going to keep having that advantage. Fair or unfair, that's part of the equation. So I feel better about it. And the other part to this equation, Andy, is the tight ends were not even used yet. And right. I have confidence in them. So – uh very, very good question there, Josh, and I'm I'm bullish on that group. Staying on the quarterback theme, Paul from Arlington, Virginia says, Sean Clifford has made the NFL as a backup for the Packers. What does this tell you? Is Sean Clifford better than many people thought? Or is just the state of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL isn't very good? No, I think it I think it's I think it's the former Paul. It's Sean Clifford's QB two at Green Bay. He it's it's not that he's third or on a practice squad. He is their backup, and Sean Clifford was a little better than Penn State fans would have liked to have admitted. I'm just going to say that for one. Secondly, is he has a ceiling though, right? But he doesn't have a basement per se, right? Like he plays inside this sort of window of like you know, seven to nine. He doesn't do much sixes. He's not going to be a 10. He plays in this window and he's fairly comfortable, confident, and consistent inside that window. And I think it's what Green Bay wants out of the quarterback in its offense. He went to a great team and he had a great camp. So I think it's a bit of the former rather than the latter and it being an indictment on backup quarterbacks in the NFL because 
in the NFL now, everyone knows you have to have two quarterbacks and you have to kind of look at them as your starter and your backup starter. That's the way you have to look at it in, in the game with 17 games and how fast and it is and how often quarterbacks are getting, you know, nicked up and injured despite not being hit. So, yeah, I thought it was – I was not surprised he was drafted and I'm not surprised he at all. He is their quarterback number two. Andy, just to add to that, I think when you're looking at a backup quarterback, in a lot of ways you are not necessarily looking for the high ceiling. Perhaps you're looking for the high floor, okay? The guy won't be a disaster. And Sean Clifford, he's a very bright young man. He'll pick up the offense quickly. You know that. There's a minimum you will get from him all the time, which is, I think, what you were saying. Yep. And you're you're never going to get a star quarterback out nope. of Sean Clifford. Yep. But I, you are going to get a high enough floor, right? I 100% agree with that, Jimmy. Okay. Let's uh, well, let's stay on quarterback, Andy. Let's go to Larry, who just says he's from Southern California. For at least one weekend. Penn State got better quarterback play than Ohio State did. Do you see that as the difference maker in this year's game with the Buckeyes? No, I don't. I see the difference maker is being Ohio State's ability to be a little balanced offensively and also bull you a little bit in the China shop because their run game's fairly efficient and strong. And can Penn State force them to be the one-dimensional that plays to Penn State's strength, which is their secondary? Can they make Ohio State – Penn State wants to make Ohio State throw the football. They will. Penn State can eat a team up if you have to throw the football all over the lot. They're that good in the secondary, and they didn't even have Daquan Hardy available for the West Virginia game. The secondary is stupid good and deep. And that's a, that is a clear strength of the Penn State defense, is their secondary. You want Ohio State to throw the ball. So to answer your question, and he is not wrong, Larry, you're 100% right. In a four-quarter, one-week analysis, Penn State's quarterback far outplayed Ohio State's new starting quarterback. I want to be careful not to overreact to one game. It's right. hard when you have Drew Aller play the way he did, had the high right. expectations, and he met them. But if you're going to the Ohio State side and say, oh, Kyle McCord wasn't the next C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields, that's making too quick a judgment. And remember, Ohio State has two bites out of the apple. They've got also Devin Brown as their second quarterback. I didn't say backup quarterback, but as the second quarterback. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and if one of them could become what we expect from the Ohio State quarterback position. But I'll tell you what, though, Andy, if you go just by week one, yeah, there's a difference there. And I think no matter how good – Ohio State's quarterback play becomes by that point in the season. Penn State, we talked earlier about uh, Sean Clifford not necessarily having a high ceiling. Penn State now has a quarterback with a high ceiling. So the potential is always there for him to have a a special kind of game. Interesting question, Larry. All right, let's go to Sam in Hollidaysburg. 
hey, Andy, it looked like West Virginia had its way with our defensive line on short yardage situations. This doesn't fill me with confidence versus the Iowas, the Illinois, and especially Michigan. Is my concern warranted? Yeah, it's got some validity to it. Uh, And when you say Penn State's defensive line, I mean all across the front. Uh, Yeah, West Virginia's interior three is outstanding. It's, it's, It's a very good center guard trio led by an All-American at center. And they did. They they were able to do that. The, the running back helped. He's a very good bruising inside the tackles running back. I don't think they used him enough in that game. I I think if you're a West Virginia fan, you're like, dude, what what happened? Why why did you why did you sort of not you know keep feeding him the ball? It was working. So it's a, it is a mild concern, but. I'm not overtly concerned. I expect the defensive ends to be better. I'm not sure the defensive line, the interior part of the defensive line is going to get any different. That, that They are who they are. So I think you're going to need the DNs to sort of be a little bit more impactful that way. And you need better play from the linebacker behind them. The number wearing the sticks, number 11's got to be better. And Andy, I think there's also a situation where First and second down matter also. You don't want to get yourself in a position where it is third and one against a team like West Virginia or Michigan or Iowa. It it makes that first and second down more important. If you could make it second and ten or second and nine, then it becomes third and five or six. That's the difference with this Penn State team. I'm not sure it's built to stop you third and one. I'm not sure what defenses really are, there except are not, a handful. You're right. So, you know, that's part of it. All right, Andy, that is all we have time for as far as questions. You need to pick out a winner. Who do you have? So I found that I, I like the questions a lot. Josh and Scranton uh, had a really good question. So I'm going to go with uh, Josh and Scranton, and it was a lot of quarterback this week. I, I'm a little surprised by that, but I'm also not because, my gosh, did he play well. I mean, it was just ridiculous how good he played. Oh, very good, Andy. We won't have time for an answer on it, but I didn't give you. The next question was going to be, saw an article that predicted Drew Aller would be the number one pick in the 2025 draft. Are you ready to get onto that train? So oh, oh, if we kept God. going, it would have been even more quarterback all the time. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter three. We've got a special new segment we're going to introduce in quarter number four. That's called a tease, Andy. You want to make sure you stick around for that. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am really excited about this. We've got a new segment we're adding to our show. We're calling it Sean's Take. And here is our guest, the appropriately named Sean Gold. Sean, welcome to the show. Jim, thanks for having me. I'm excited to get going with this. Fantastic. So am I, Sean. Now, to understand, Sean's been really successful in picking games, and he is now going to become our in-house expert. We're going to have Sean in every week. He's going to take the top games, give us his picks. Just to give us an idea, Sean, Let's talk how you did last week. Top games I had listed as Penn State, West Virginia, Florida State, LSU, Colorado, TCU, Utah, Florida, and Duke, Clemson. How'd you do on those top five games last week? Well, Jim, so those first four games that you all mentioned, we hit on every single one of them, correctly picking against the spread, especially that Penn State game. Last play touchdown, you know I was going crazy for that one. The other games, Colorado, I knew I knew it was coming in that game. And we, had, we were big on Colorado. I thought TCU was overvalued. But the one game I have not mentioned is that last one that you read. Unfortunately, when the line opened up, I saw Clemson as a 14.5-point favorite. I thought that was too much, and I was siding with Duke. But as that line crept down to 12, I reluctantly switched over to Clemson and have regretted that pick ever since. <laughs> so that's the difference between you having an undefeated week. All right, let's see how you do this coming week, Sean. And we're going to pick a Penn State game and the four other top games. That's how we're going to be doing this every week. Unfortunately, though, we do this the first time. There's actually no spread as we're recording this, Sean, for the Penn State-Delaware game. I don't know about you, but I usually look to avoid these games that have something crazy like a 40-point spread, something like that. How about you? Yeah, exactly. I'm expecting when the line is released, we're at least going to see Penn State favored by 30-plus points. 
And the tricky thing with these games is you know that Penn State's going to go in and get a blowout victory, but what point are they going to take their foot off the gas? That is the big question that I always look at in these massive spread games. We saw Oregon, for example, score 81. They never let up. But there's some teams, when you get in the third quarter, they start running the ball, they start chewing clock. Now, the thing that's good for Penn State's case in covering whatever this spread is going to be is last week they did not take their foot off the gas. And they wanted to go in and show teams, we are for real, this offense is for real. And why, even in a big spread, I would still likely lean Penn State this week is because they know until they play Ohio State, they're in the shadow of Michigan and Ohio State, and they want everybody to know how good this offense is. So it's always a question mark of whether a team that's a heavy favorite is going to let up. But I've got a feeling the Nittany Lions are not going to let up this week. Well, we'll see about that one when a spread comes out. Let's hit some other games when they're actu- where there actually is a spread. I guess the biggest game of the week, Texas at Alabama. Alabama touchdown, seven-point favorite. A year ago, Texas gave Alabama all they could handle. What are we looking at there? Yeah, I think we see a very different game this year. Texas, I believe, overperformed last year in this game. That game was at Texas, which added a lot. They're going back to Tuscaloosa for this game. And I think Alabama knows if they lose this game, their odds for getting into the playoffs are going to decrease dramatically. And I don't think Nick Saban wants that to happen. So I think Alabama is going to come out firing and they're going to hand it to Texas in this game. I would take them with that minus seven line. Um, I agree with that one. I think after last year, I don't want to overreact to what happened last year. And I think Alabama has something to prove. Next up game we have is Oregon, Texas Tech. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite. It's always a little tricky when that's just under a touchdown spread, Sean. Yeah. So for me, the really interesting thing is we have the number 13 team in the country coming off an 81 to seven victory, taking on an unranked team that just lost their first game to Wyoming, a Mountain West program. Why are the odds makers so reluctant to make Oregon a heavier favorite? I'm not sure, but I like the fact that this Oregon offense looked unstoppable, and I know they weren't playing the greatest competition, but if Wyoming can score 35 against Texas Tech, now that was in double overtime, what can Oregon score against that defense? I don't think this Oregon offense is going to slow down at all, and minus 6.5 I think is too low for this game, so I'm going to roll with the Ducks covering this once again. Again, this is unfortunate. I keep agreeing with you, Sean. I, <laughs> for exactly the points you brought out, uh, Oregon in the high-scoring game, I, even if Texas Tech hangs in there, you could still see this being a, you know, a two-touchdown game and walk away saying, gee, I was surprised Texas Tech gave it that much of a game. So I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I really do like Oregon. Uh, next up, this is kind of an interesting game. Texas A&M at Miami. Um, A&M is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And that's always, to me, the interesting thing when you have these out-of-conference games. That, those are the best games now, you know, uh, before conference games start, the interconference games. You have two, you know, Power Five teams. A&M, Miami, I got to admit – I have no clue on this one. Well, I think one of the biggest questions and one of the most underrated questions, I'll say, heading into this college football season was, is Miami back? It's been a couple of years since Miami has been really a prominent program that from the old days of, you know, the U. 
week one was a very good showing for them. I didn't think that they would blow out Miami, Ohio like they did. I'm not surprised to see that their offense scored 38 points, but I was surprised to see that their defense only let up a field goal. I thought Miami, Ohio would be able to move the ball a bit better against this Miami defense than they did. So that gives me a lot of confidence that Miami's going to cover this spread. I think Texas A&M is a good program. They're going to have a good year, and their offense exploded for 52 points against New Mexico. But I do have to say, there's something about going to the U that's a really hard place to play. And I think that home field advantage is going to be huge for Miami. I see them covering and potentially even pulling off the upset in this one. That's interesting. And again, I'm not going to agree or disagree with you on this one because this Texas A&M team, we know how they've recruited over the last several years and they underperform. So it's like, what are you going to see? Is I start to treat them like I do Texas. You know, the running joke, like, this is the year Texas is back. This is the year. I keep wondering the same way about Texas A&M. Is this finally going to be the year that they're going to live up to their talent? And at what point do you just say, no, they're not? And you know what the funny thing is for this matchup, we can say that about Texas A&M. I think we can put Miami in that same exact category of, is this the year? Like the, Miami's a program that you always have to take seriously, but the past couple of years, you know, they haven't been there. And now they're getting into that category of, hey, we should be back right now. And is that going to be for real or is that going to be a lie once again this season? I'm leaning to the side that Miami may be back, not back in the sense that they're going to go for a national championship or anything, but back in the sense that they're going to be a darn competitive football team this year and can pull off some upsets like this game against Texas A&M. It's going to be a fun game to watch, an interesting one. Sean, I left what I think is the most interesting game for the ending, and maybe it's just the most interesting team in the country. We got Nebraska at Colorado, and at the time we were recording this, I saw I saw Colorado favored by two and a half. I also saw them favored by three and a half. Again, right around that field goal range, whether it's more or less, that that's a critical point. And I'm just wondering, is this a situation? Did you buy into Deion Sanders? and what they did last week against TCU. How about you? You buying it? Well, Jimmy, let me tell you, two and a half, three points, give it to me. I don't care. When Deion Sanders says something, I've learned I got to listen to him. He told us all that Colorado was going to be for real this year, and their win total was set at, what, four wins or something like that heading into the year, which I thought was way too low originally. But I'm not going to lie, even though I had Colorado – Against the spread against TCU, I did not expect them to come out firing like they did. And I think this is a team that we have to take seriously. And the biggest thing for this is Coach Prime has said it time and time again. They are going to be for real this year. And to every single player in that locker room believes that they are the better team in any game they're going to play in. doesn't matter who their competition is. They're going to believe that they should be winning this game. And that's something that's really dangerous for a team that's been slept on. So I like Colorado at the minus three line. I'd like them at minus five and a half if it came to it. I think they're going to win by more than a touchdown in this game. I think what we saw last week was only a glimpse of what we're going to see from Colorado this week. And as I said, when Coach Prime is talking, I'm going to be listening. Well, I'll tell you what I think some of us missed, and maybe this is a little bit my bias. I'm not the biggest Deion Sanders fan in the world, but 
you know, you, you can't deny what they did last week against TCU. Even if TCU is not going to be, you know, a really a top 20 team, that was still something. But what I think a lot of us overlooked is Colorado has a couple stars, if not superstars, on that roster. Yes, yeah. Shadir Sanders, their quarterback, made every single throw you could ask a quarterback to make. That's one of the things. When, when you look at big stat lines from quarterbacks, what type of production was it? Was it dropping a five-yard slant and your receiver taking it 88 yards to the house? Or are you hitting 10-yard outs to the field? Are you hitting fades, then you're dropping it right in the bucket? And Sanders was doing all of the above last Saturday against TCU. And then, of course, we can't not talk about Travis Hunter, who's logging both offensive snaps and defensive snaps and is dominating on both sides of the ball. He's going to be an asset. He's like the Shohei Otani of Colorado this year, a guy who should not be doing what he's doing, and he's going to continue to play at an incredibly high level. And the other thing I like is that Deion Sanders knows that his program could not upset TCU like that and then come and flop in week two. So I think they're going to be locked and loaded. It's a home game for Colorado. This may be the craziest home game in Colorado history. That crowd is going to be there. These players are going to be ready. And we already know from week one, they're going to be well coached and prepared for this game. Okay, very quickly, you have Alabama minus seven against Texas, Oregon uh, minus six and a half against Texas Tech. Miami's getting four and a half points against Texas A&M, and you've got Colorado against Nebraska. Uh, very quickly, Sean, for our listeners who want to get more information, more of these picks from you, where can they go find it? Yeah, so make sure you follow us at Sean's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm posting all sorts of content on there. And then you can also reach out to our website, www.seanstake.com. The website is under renovation right now, but it will be up and running soon. So for the time being, reach out to me on social media. I'll get back to you guys. And welcome to the Sean's Take community. Fantastic, Sean. For our first show, that was fantastic. But, but... We will wait till next week and see how your picks did, and we'll really decide how well it went. All right, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.